many glad you saved tonight? Let me see by a show of hands. How many of you have been saved more than uh, 30 years? Did you raise your hand? 30 years? That's the majority, I think. Um, all right. How many of you have been saved less than 15 years? You've been saved, saved less than 15 years. Less than 15? All right. Great, 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 great. And uh, how many of you know you've been saved? Would you raise your hand? Good. 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 Uh, I don't know. I feel like laughing a little bit tonight. Adam, I think y'all have heard this, but Adam was walking around the Garden of Eden feeling very lonely. And so God asked Adam, what is wrong with you? And Adam said he didn't have anyone to talk to. And God said he was going to give him a companion and it would be a woman. God said, this person will cook for you and wash your clothes and she'll always agree with you. Uh, every decision you make, she'll agree with it. She'll bear you children. She'll never uh, ask you to get up in the middle of the night to take care of them. She'll never nag you. Uh, she'll always be the first to admit when she's wrong, when you've had a disagreement, She'll never tell you she's got a headache. Uh, she'll freely give you love and compassion whenever you want it. And Adam asked God, what would a woman like that, what would that cost him? And God said, an arm and a leg. And Adam said, well, what can I get just for a rib? And the rest is story, ladies. It's the rest of story. And the rest is history, ladies. Now, that's a joke. So if any of y'all get mad at me, that's on you. Amen. That's just a joke. What can you get for a rib? All right. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of Galatians chapter 2? Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And uh, talking about the marriage retreat, I would encourage as many of you to go as possible, I would go. It would be a very good time. Uh, we've asked the three couples that have been a part of that thing from the very beginning. Uh, Brother Dallas and Cindy will speak in a session. Uh, Brother Kevin and Missy will speak in a session. And Brother Derek and Missy will speak in a session. And I know they're going to be a great encouragement. And I don't know of one relationship that doesn't need work, that doesn't need help, doesn't need strengthened. And so... We know that there's going to be some very helpful things there. So make sure you sign up for that. Um, I think the accommodations through Park Grove, 150 for both nights. Uh, if you want to make your own accommodations, that's great. Some of you might want to share some information with some folks. If you found a good place, a nice place, you know, share that. Um, and so we just kind of do that. The church stayed there long before we got there, got here. So that's kind of just where the church is always kind of booked, either there or Park Towers. But... Uh, there's plenty of places there, but I would encourage you to do your very best to be a part of that. If you've never, if you've ever come, you need to try to come to one of them. I know it'd be a great blessing to you. Uh, I want to look kind of a little bit like our theme tonight. Uh, appreciate our theme, and I appreciate um, the Hoovers working on this. But to be like me in 2023, and the verse is to be conformed to the image of His Son. Now, when we talk about that, we're going to look at that in a little different way. And of course, if you know the Word of God, Galatians chapter two, there's a very powerful passage of scripture in Galatians chapter 2 that kind of goes along with our theme. So let's just begin reading 
and verse number 11 of Galatians chapter 2. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. There was hypocrisy going on. Um, and that's what Paul withstood him to the face. You know, think about that. Paul didn't play. Uh, Paul was, uh, I mean, you know, to withstand Peter uh, to the face and let him know that you're causing some problems here because of your hypocrisy. Verse 12, for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. And man, Barnabas was, you know, he was a great encourager. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, think of this. If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature... And not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. So again, he brings it right down to the gospel. By faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So, you know, look, this has been the struggle through the ages. The struggle of ages is salvation by something you do or something you accept. You're either going to be saved by faith or you're not going to be saved at all. Salvation comes by faith. It doesn't come by works. And that's what he's trying to teach here. Now, he had to rebuke Peter. But don't misunderstand him. He's not just rebuking Peter because he said, well, I'll tell you right now, I just want... No, there was a bigger reason behind that. There were people that were being confused about the gospel. And by the way, salvation is still the same. It's not by works. Amen. No works. Now look, you say, Pastor, why do you hit that? Because I'm honest, right here even in this area, I have never ran into more people that believe in works for salvation even than I did in West Virginia. I'm telling you. There's a group of people down here, man, I'm telling you right now, if you don't get dunked in water, you ain't going to make it. Listen to me. I want y'all to know something. Salvation is of Jesus Christ, not by water. That's a work. Being baptized is a work. That is something you do after you get saved in obedience to our Lord's command. There's no water on this earth that can wash sin away. So it's the same here. They were trying to teach the law. They were trying, People were being being confused. And so notice, he wasn't just being a bully. He just wasn't being ugly. There was some people that was being confused. And so Paul had to deal with it. Now look at verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Now here's the text tonight, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But I want you to focus in on this little phrase. But Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. No longer I who live, but Christ, what? Who lives in me. And really, I want to just 
preach tonight on this thought, kind of goes along with our theme, to be conformed to the image of his son. But let me ask this, should we not be living the life of Christ if he lives in us? If he lives in us, then we should be living the life of Christ. That's the message, living the life of Christ. If the Bible says Christ liveth in me, then we ought to be living the life of Christ, right? He lives in us. And we know this. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight you'll help us speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, after Saul met the Lord on his way to Damascus, there were three consuming desires that took hold of his life. And when you read his life in Scripture, you're going to see these three things very prevalent. Actually, the very first thing he asked is, what would you have me do? So he was extremely concerned uh, about some consuming things in his life when he got saved. Now, I'm going to say this. There should be some desires that should accompany our life the moment we get saved. There should be some desire changes. There should be, obviously we know our destiny has changed. Our direction should change. But there should, our desires should change. When we get saved, there are certain things that we might not have wanted to do. We now do. We want to do. Things we wanted to do, we don't want to do anymore. We understand that. When the Spirit of God comes into our life, He reproves us. Now, we find here, though, I believe some things that he was consumed by with all of the days of his life. And by the way, he, he died still believing these things. These things still consumed his life. Number one, I believe this, to know Christ. I believe that was one consuming desire of the Apostle Paul to know Christ. How do we know that? He said that I might know him better. And he lived his whole life, what? To know Christ. His whole life was about the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's why his life was taken. History tells us that the Roman Empire took his life because he was a follower of Christ. That's why he was jailed. That's why he was in prison. He, he lived the life of Christ. He wanted to know Christ better. I believe this consumed his life all the days of his earthly journey. I believe another one was to live like Christ because he absolutely even made in this statement. He said, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a statement here. But listen, by the way, you could not have touched, I don't believe an inch of the Apostle Paul's physical body and not touch a scar or a wound or something in his body because he wanted to live like Christ. By the way, he lived like Christ, we know this, because he was persecuted. We know the Lord Jesus Christ was persecuted. So we know that the Apostle Paul wanted to know Christ. He told us that. His life was consumed by that desire. We know that he wanted to uh, live like Christ, we see that his life was consumed by that desire. But then I'm going to say one other thing that is truly, I believe, if you read the scripture and you read the life of Paul, there was one other consuming truth, one other consuming desire in this man's life is this Christ that he wanted to live like and this Christ that he wanted to know better. He wanted to make sure to make him known to everybody he came in contact with. Now, here's where we're failing. I, I talked about this a little bit on Sunday night. 
Now look, I'm not against knocking on doors. We, we need to still have a, a, a presence in this community. I'm not against that. But I'm going to tell you, it's not as effective as it was in the 70s. Why? People don't answer their doors like they used to. People are scared to answer their doors. People are busy. But because of the crime and the people, people being at home, someone coming to their door, I mean, look, it's just not as safe as it used to be. I'm not saying we stop doing it, but I'm going to tell you what's always been effective. Always been effective has been one-on-one building relationships with people. We letting people know we care and we have a burden for them. We take an interest in them. We invite them to church. We talk to them about their spiritual condition. We're not preaching to them all the time. We build friendships with people. We're good to people. We have a concern for people. I'm going to tell you something right now. We will have a desire to make him known to people like that if Christ lives in us. That's the most effective way. If every couple in this church would get a burden for another couple, if every individual would get a burden for another individual and just do your best to personally, one-on-one, try to help that person come to the Lord or even get interested in church, you'd be shocked how fast churches in this church would grow. And by the way, this day and age, it's even easier than ever. We can do everything by text. We can send out social media posts and listen. We can reach hundreds of people with just a click. And so I just say, why don't we use the media that we have to be able to reach people with the Lord? Why? Because I believe if Christ lives in us, then we ought to want to make that Christ known to others. I think sometimes people think, oh, that's the missionary's job. That's the preacher's job. But do you know you're running into people that a preacher and a missionary might not ever meet? And we've got to be consumed with the fact that we ought to want to make sure that the Lord Jesus Christ is known to others. One has reached a high degree of consecration when Christ lives in him. So if Christ lives in us, I believe there will be certain things that will accommodate us. I think there will be certain things that will be true. And I want to just mention a few of them tonight that I've jotted down. Number one, I believe if, we're, if Christ lives in us and we're going to live the life of Christ, I spoke about this a little bit on Sunday night, but I believe we will have compassion for the crowds. Why? The need of the multitudes moved the master. I read this last week. Well, actually, I read it this week on Sunday night. Look, when the Bible says when he saw the multitudes, he did what? He had compassion on them. So we know he had compassion on them again and again and again. And so we, we know so many among us, so many in the crowd, they're sinful, they're wicked, they're wayward, they're careless, they're thoughtless, they're hurting, they're drifting through life. You don't have to look very far in the crowds and see this. And we ought to have compassion on these. Doesn't matter what social rank they are. Doesn't matter what color of skin they have. Doesn't matter uh, whether they're uh, uh, an American or or a foreigner. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. Jesus Christ died to save them all. And we ought to have compassion on all people. I want to tell you all something. This church will not be the church that it should be if we only limited... We only limited our love and our ministries to a certain group of people. Now, I understand dynamics and culture and things. I understand all of that. And I know some people are more comfortable in certain areas. I get all of that. 
But I want you to know something. Our ministries are open for everybody. I want you to know I believe that's biblical because the Lord Jesus Christ died for everybody. And when you go into a crowd, you can't just pick out certain people in the crowd. He had, a, he had compassion for the multitudes. And we live in a day now where, yes, our country, by the way, I'm not being political. I'm just being honest. People who come in our country thought of come in our country legally. But to be honest with you, if they're here, we might as well go ahead and try to reach them for God. I mean, they're here. And I'm sure there's a whole lot of illegals that we've run into and and talk with. And look, the Lord loves them whether they're legal in this country or not. He died for the crowds. And so I want you to know, uh, we understand, they need a Savior. They need a Shepherd. They need a Lord. They need a Master. They need guidance. Look, Christ longs to be all of this and more to everybody. So if Christ lives in us, we ought to have a, a compassion for the multitudes. Number two. Now this, is, this, is, this one's tough. But if the Lord lives in us and we're trying to live the life of Christ, we're going to love the unlovable. We're going to, we're going to have a love for the lost that people don't really understand. That they, you know, I'm going to be honest. You think about these dear missionaries that leave the comforts of their home and the comforts of this country and go across the foreign field. Yes, I know they love the Lord. But when you speak to most of them, they love the people there. You know one of the most wicked places in all of the world? England, right? Would Brighton be a very wicked area? Very wicked area, Brighton, England. And you know, uh, there's young men there now from Crown trying to serve the Lord. But look, uh, you say, well, how how can you love? The only way we can love lost people and people that are unlovable is if Christ lives in us. He'll help us to love the unlovable. I know I've shared this with you on numerous occasions. But I don't know how it's best to explain it. It was a real gut check for me. But, you know, we when that prison minister went down there to that solitary confinement and that security guard told us what the man was and what all he was dealing with. And then he even asked us, did y'all still want to go down there? I mean, we're getting ready to go down there and talk to a pedophile. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Nobody loves a pedophile. Nobody, I don't condone that behavior. Right? It's heinous. It's vile. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I believe people like that, if they don't get saved, I believe there's a special, special heat in hell for people like that. I believe there's certain degrees of hell. And I'm going to tell you something right now. That is nothing but unfathomable. But the truth is, he asked for someone to come and talk to him about spiritual things. And I'm going to be honest, it was a gut check. But you know what, me and Fred... Never, never balks. Yeah, we'll go down. I mean, why? I'm not saying that in a spiritual way. I realize this. The Lord died for him just like he did me. But I'm telling you right now, if we're going to love the lost, why? It's only because Christ did love the lost. And and he lives in us. He'll help us love the lost. I think it will be true in our lives. We hear him saying, I lay down my life for the sheep. He stated the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. He didn't come to seek and to save people that were clean. He came to seek and to save vile people. Which we were, right? See, it took his death to complete the way of salvation for sinners. But because his love, his love, 
For the loss was so great, he made the sacrifice. And by the way, look, we're even in a place today where it's even hard for us to sacrifice for people in our own family. Much less lost people. I mean, I want y'all to think about that a minute. I mean, we live in a day now where hardly families will even sacrifice for families. I mean, children won't even sacrifice for their parents. But the Lord's asking us to love sinners. I mean, people that don't like us. And to love them. That sounds a little little tough, doesn't it? And it does. It sounds very weird. But not if Christ lives in us. By the way, you know who was an enemy of God when he loved us? I was. When he went to the cross, he was dying for the very ones that was putting him on the cross. And Christ loved them. He loves the lost. And if he loves if he lives in us, we will also love the lost. And I'm going to tell you, we will, we will seek, we would want, we want to see them get saved. I'm going to be honest with y'all and be very human here with y'all. Y'all ready? There are certain people I ain't crazy about. Y'all shocked? There are certain people, I could name them right now, some of them. Very visible people that I ain't too fond of. Then there's people that you wouldn't know that I'm not real fond of. But I'm going to tell you all this right now. I don't wish any of them to die and go to hell. I don't wish one of them to die and go to hell. Do I think there's some bad people out here? Yes. But do I wish that any of them die and go to hell? Absolutely not. We ought to have a love for the lost. And I'm telling you, even if there are enemies. And by the way, Lost people are going to see things different than us. They're blind, so we shouldn't expect anything different. But that's why we ought to love them because Christ loved them because if Christ saves them, you know what? They'll see things like us. He'll open their eyes. Number three, I think this is important. I think if Christ lives in us, Like he says here, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That is a dogmatic statement. The Apostle Paul said, Christ liveth in me. So if Christ lives in him, he's living the life of Christ. And I want you to know, I believe that we will have sympathy for the saints. The household of faith. If we're going to love the lost, and by the way, that is a divine That is a divine work of God through the work of Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's hard to do, but I'm going to tell you something right now. It ought to be easier to love the household of faith. Y'all love your church family? You ought to. We ought to. We ought to love one another. We ought to have sympathy for one another. Jesus had great sympathy for, look, the sorrowing, for the sorrowing. When the Lord saw that widow of Nain, what did he do? He followed her. And, and the casket contained uh, the dead body of her only son, but his soul uh, went out to this lady. And with the deepest of sympathy, he restored this son back to life. He had sympathy. It moved him to action. Think about this. Think about Mary and Martha. I, I love that. I, and by the way, they rebuked him. They rebuked the Lord. They were in their sorrow, but they had lost their brother. Their brother had died. And the Bible said they were weeping and wailing. He'd been dead for several days. They had asked for Jesus to come. Well, Jesus is already always on time. 
But he was three days late, right? According to Mary Martha, but look what he's seen them. What did he do? He was moved with compassion. And that's the verses of the children. Likes to, no one ever puts that in context. But what is the shortest verse? Jesus wept. There's a lot in those two words. It was in this context. He loved Mary and Martha. He was hurting for them. And the Bible said the Son of God, it moved so much. He had such sympathy for those two women, even though they rebuked him. Said Jesus wept. You know there's a lot in those two words. Y'all know tears have tears have a voice. Tears talk. Sometimes tears talk more than words. And everybody understands tears. And when the Lord Jesus wept, I'm going to tell you what he did. He showed that his heart and his life and his most inward being was moved by love for these two women. He wept over the grave of their dead brother. He wept with them. And then we know what he did. He called Lazarus from the dead. He raised him from the dead to live again. So I want to say, I truly believe if Christ lives in us, we will have sympathy for the sorrowing and we will do what we can to seek to help find comfort and to give them comfort. Can I give you another way the church will grow? I've got news for everybody. Y'all are probably not shocked. But not everybody comes to this church to hear your pastor preach. That's not what attracts them here. Y'all understand that. You ain't gonna hurt my feelings. I said it. A lost person out there ain't interested in coming here and hearing. You know what they're gonna think? I'm gonna tell you right now, that preacher's gonna... He's going to just preach to me and he's going to make me, he's going to judge me and he's going to make me feel bad. That's what lost people think. Well, I tell you right now, I'm not going to come to church in a bunch of holier than thou's. Right? That's what they say. But you know what speaks louder than that when they come into a group of people that loves them and cares about them? You know how our church is going to grow? They don't care what we know till they know it. We care. That's why funerals, hospital visits, people that are sick, uh, people that are going through rough times, cards, calls, uh, people that care, just all of that matters. Why? People know you care. Number four, I believe if Christ lives in us, I, I do believe this. I believe we will desire to please the Father. Why? It must have been the most earnest desire of Jesus Christ. What did he say in John 8, 29? He said, I do always those things that please him. Think of that. I do always the things that please him. So if Christ lives in me, I'm going to live the life of Christ. Then we're going to have an attitude, a desire uh, towards the, the Father. We want to please him with our life. No, we fail. It ought to be our desire. The Lord Jesus Christ, he pleased his Father with his attitude toward life. He pleased his Father with his love toward uh, time and eternity. He pleased his Father uh, by going to the cross and through his death. He pleased the Father. That was his concern. So if this Christ liveth in me, then we know that we're going to also have that same desire to be conformed to the image of the Son. Christ liveth in 
me. If Christ lives in us, then we should strive earnestly and always to please our Father in heaven. Y'all understand this. As a little boy, man, you know who my hero was? My dad. And if I was playing baseball or whatever, it didn't matter what anybody else said. If my mom and dad was pleased, man, I was happy, happy, happy. You want your parents to be proud of you, right? That's why there's so many children today that's so discouraged because they're always wanting approval from their parents and their parents won't give them approval. We understand this concept. As a Christian, if Christ lives in us, the Lord Jesus Christ wanted to please His Father. And because we're the children of God, we ought to want to also, as Christ lives in us, to please our Father. Christ lives in us. We're going to live the life of Christ. I'm going to close with this one. I truly believe that we'll try to give God our best in our service. I think the Lord Jesus gave his best in service every day for the good of the people. But more than that, he gave it to the Lord. Yes, he gave it to us. Could you imagine? The Lord Jesus, the Bible says he gave himself. I mean, that was the best. There was no one else. There was no one else that could pay and die for our sins. Only Christ. He gave his best. Now, if he lives in us. I believe we will also have this attitude. I'm going to close here in just a minute. And yes, you are going to get out early tonight. And all God's people said. Y'all acting awful spiritual all of a sudden. I think the only one that said amen was Clay. Amen. Nah. Brother Clay, I'm picking. He didn't say nothing. My sister's here. She would have said it. Amen. Picking on her too. There was this attitude years ago that, yeah, not only in life and church, but, you know, you do your best. Now it's like, ah, it doesn't matter. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Doesn't matter. But does it matter? It does matter. I think we ought to give the best to the Lord. That's my philosophy even around here. Not being ugly, but I think the church ought to be the best looking and well-maintained building in the whole community. I don't think you ought to walk into church and it'd be outdated and look ugly and have a bunch of stuff. I think it ought to have a good testimony. It ought to have a good look at it. Because here's one of the reasons I say, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Normally, and I'm not being ugly, I'm just being honest. You go into some of these, you know, and everything's run down. You just kind of got that smell in it like, you know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all ever been in one of them churches like that? And honestly, when you walk into a church like this, here's what you expect. You expect that preacher to get up there and rip your face off. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you you just expect that kind of thing. But here's kind of what I like. I like for people to walk in here and at least they see, oh, you know, they have a good first impression. Things look pretty nice. Then the preacher can rip their face off. Then he can preach hard. I think it makes it easier to make it palatable to people to hear the real preaching. I'm being honest. First impressions mean a lot. Would y'all agree? 
And I think if Christ lives in us, we would want to give him our best. Amen. How many of y'all like leftovers? Now, look, this is a loaded question. Because I like leftovers. I like leftovers. How many of y'all like leftovers? Would you raise your hand? I'm going to be honest. I like it better the second time. We got a lot of people right with God in here. Y'all raise your hand again. Y'all look at this. Look around. Now, you that don't like leftovers, stand to your feet, please. No. <laughs> if you don't like leftovers, well, I'm just curious. Would you raise your hand? All right. Well, you're the more spiritual ones here tonight. You get the point? Leftovers are good out of the refrigerator, but leftovers ain't too good for the service of God. Let's give him our best. Amen? Amen. And I believe the Lord Jesus gave us his best. Let me see that again. How many of y'all like leftovers? I want to see. Do y'all know, of course I can't, and I'm, you know, I need, everybody knows this. I still can't smell or taste, but um, oh, to be able to taste leftover spaghetti again. Isn't it better the second time, heated up? How many of y'all think that? Would y'all raise your hand? I do. Y'all pray for me that I get my smell and taste back. But leftovers are good in the food. But hey, we ought to give the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you imagine walking in here and, uh, you know, at communion we give y'all the leftover cups? Aren't y'all glad we believe in giving the best in that? Right? What if we... uh, you know, we serve a dinner over here and we tell everybody, all right, now, y'all go ahead and just bring all your stuff out of the refrigerator, just bring your leftovers. Aren't y'all glad we believe in having these meals that we give the best? You ladies fix the best. Listen, it's the way we ought to do it. Why? If Christ lives in us, we're going to give him our best. You know why? Because Jesus Christ gave his best. Amen. Let's stand on our feet tonight. Christ lives in you. Now think about it. Think about it. If he lives in you, I believe that we'll have compassion for the crowds no matter who they are. I believe that we will love the lost and that is a divine, divine, that is a divine help. We have to have the help of the Lord to love the lost. And then I believe we'll have sympathy for the saints. We will love our church family. We'll desire to please the Father. And then yes, I believe we'll give our best. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we pray tonight. Let's ask God to help us. Christ liveth in us. There's that song in it. Christ Christ liveth in me. It goes like that. And we might need to pull that thing out and sing it. Christ liveth in me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, I pray tonight that you will go before us. Give us safety as we travel home. Lord, we we are thankful that you do live in us. And so, Lord, I pray you'll help us now. We fail, but we desire. Lord, I pray you'll help us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people say it. I am with like-minded folks tonight. I I am extremely encouraged by how many of y'all like leftovers. That's good stuff.